Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 217 of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you for being here with me today. And today we have a fun one. This is from the $10,000 buy-in party poker tournament that was held last year in Punta Cana. Here we have Preben Stocken raising queen nine suited from the button, which is perfectly fine and standard. And um, as we can see, looking at the stacks, Sam Greenwood has a lot, I have a lot. Preben over here, he's not pictured at the moment, has a medium stack. And then this player here is relatively short stack. That said, short stack is still 40 big blinds or so. So it's not like we're playing very shallow. So Preben raises from the button and now it's on me in the big blind. And I look down at one of these somewhat junky hands that some people defend, some people fold, but I kind of like three betting. We have, what is it? What do you think? Jack two suited. By the way, if you're not watching this on YouTube or on my site, jonathanlillipoker.com, it's probably more fun if you watch it. That said, I'll do my best to list all the hands. So Jack two suited is a hand that, you know, it's on the cusp between being able to call or fold. And um, those hands are usually pretty good to consider three betting. Um, the hands that I like three betting some portion of the time, not always here, are going to be bad ace X's like usually a six and lower, then um, bad king x's, probably king six and lower, same story, then something like queen five, queen four offsuit, maybe queen six offsuit, and then um, some suited jacks, suited jack, th jack three suited, jack two suited, maybe jack four suited, maybe stuff like 10 four suited, etc. And you can do that something like 20% of the time, and that's going to be pretty tough to combat if you 3-bet all of those hands 20% of the time and 3-bet all of your nut hands, aces, kings, queens, jacks, tens, ace, king, ace, queen. If you 3-bet those 100% of the time, now our range is going to be pretty tough to exploit, and the hands that we are getting to bluff with are quite poor. So Preben raised to 650k. I made it 2.1 million, so about three times his uh, raise. If the stacks were deeper... I would have made it a little bit more. As you get, you know, shallower or stacked, I think we're playing about 60 big blinds deep at the moment, um, you can make it a little bit less, like three times. I would probably make this a little bit bigger today if I was playing this hand today. I think I made it 3.2 times or so. So back to Preben, he calls. He has about, looks like 13 million chips. So he has about 40-something big blinds. So I, I do like the 3.2x. Flop comes, ace, queen, six, one diamond, buckle up, here we go. We have the backdoor flush draw, we have the backdoor straight draw. What more do we want in life? And Preben over here with queen, nine of diamonds is in a pretty dicey spot because middle pair is not so good in a three-bet pot a lot of the time, especially when I'm three-betting, like I just told you, aces, kings, queens, jacks, tens, ace, king, ace, queen. So pot is um, about 4.5 million, and I decided to make a small continuation bet. A lot of people look at this and say... Why would you not bet big? You want them to fold. Well, you always have to think about your range. Your range is very, very, very important. And in this scenario, our range, like I said, is quite strong. This is a board that should be very good for my preflop three betting range. So I want to bet small because in general, I don't care what my opponent does. Clearly this time when I have jack high, I want my opponent to fold, but we have to play a balanced strategy. I can't have a giant bet range that's full of bluffs and a small bet range that's full of nut hands, right? That becomes really easy to play against. So on the flop, I typically use one bet size with everything. I definitely do realize there, there is room to have multiple bet sizes, assuming you balance them well. And I suppose if I was trying to bet with some bluffs here, 
with a bigger size, like let's say I wanted to bet, I don't know, pocket six is very big. I suppose Jack High could fit in there as a bluff, but that's really hard to develop, especially on the fly. And, you know, I haven't studied poker enough to know what to do in every single spot in a perfectly balanced manner. So we have to do our best. And one of the easy ways to do that is to use one bet size. And I know on this type of high card board, typically you're going to want to use a small bet size. So that is what we do. We do 1.8 million into the 4.5 million pot, about third pot, 35% pot. And Prebin does call those middle pair as he should. We get there on the turn. The king of clubs comes, which, you know, may not look like a great bluff card because if Prebin has an ace, he's certainly not folding, right? But realize if he does have a queen, like he does this time with queen nine, he's going to be in a pretty bad spot and probably will fold to at least a turn bet. And if he doesn't fold to a turn bet, he's going to fold to a river bet. And also, imagine he does have something like ace-five. Is he really going to call a turn bet and then call a river all-in? Because, you know, you can be pretty confident the river all-in's coming. Is he going to call the turn and river shove with just an ace? Some people will. Some people won't. Um, I kind of got the view that Prebin was on the tighter side. He played just good, fundamentally sound, tight, aggressive poker. It turns out he's one of the best heads-up players in the world. Spoiler alert, we're going to get heads-up with him later. Um, so, for whatever reason, I thought that he was a little bit on the tighter side. And against people who I think are a little bit on the tighter side, I'm going to be trying to run them over as much as I can. So, you know, an easy adjustment to do that is pre-flop. Instead of 3-betting this jack too suited 20% of the time, maybe a 3-bet it 33% of the time. Then we end up with a little bit more bluffs. We're going to end up with more barreling opportunities, and that's going to sort of be the exploit you want to make in that scenario. That said, it's probably silly to try to exploit Prebin because he's a world-class poker player. Um, so anyway, I'm definitely going to bet the turn. Pot's 8.1 million. We want to make a bet that makes sure I can continue betting the river. Fumbled my chips there. It's often a sign of strength. Maybe that's pur purposeful. Maybe it's not. I'll let you decide. So I bet 3 million into the 8 million pot. If you look at Previn's stack, notice he has about 11 behind, maybe a little bit more. So I bet I can bet three here. That's going to make the pot grow to 14 if he calls. And then I can shove for eight on the river or eight, eight and a half on the river. And I think that's a pretty nice sizing that's going to still let him call sometimes on the turn and still give me fold equity on the river. What you don't want to do is you don't want to bet something like 6 million on the turn into the 8 million pot. Because then if he calls the 6 million, he's only going to have 6 million left. And now he's getting great pot odds. So you want to make sure that you're not giving him amazing pot odds on any street in the ideal world. Now, sometimes that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, like say he only had 8 million chips behind on the turn. You don't want to bet like one on the turn or 1.5 on the turn, then six and a half on the river because you just have no fold equity on the turn. Um, but at the same time, if you jam the turn, he's just going to call off very obviously, right? So that, that would be a much more difficult spot. And to avoid that, you have to tailor your pre-flop and flop bet sizes a little bit more. But um, whenever you do three-bet pre-flop, you need to have a very clear idea of how you're going to bet the flop, bet the turn, bet the river, or whatever betting strategy you're going to use, like bet flop, jam turn, etc., ahead of time, so that you are not stuck in a situation where the stack sizes do not line up well. So anyway, I bet three million here, and with queen nine of diamonds, he should probably fold. I mean, I would fold if I was in his spot. It sucks, but I think you have to fold. And um, he does fold, and we get the pot. Sometimes your bluffs get through. And especially if your opponents think you're on the tighter side, you need to be running these bluffs a lot. Um, I know a lot of people come to me to try to learn poker, and they are you know, middle-aged players who tend to play a tight strategy, or they have played a tight strategy for many, many years against their opponents. And if you are that type of player, you know if I'm talking to you right now, 
Um, you should be running these bluffs on a very regular basis. Maybe instead of 3-betting the jack too suited 20% of the time, you 3-bet it 50% of the time. That's going to result in your range being way too bluff-heavy, but that's okay because you are naturally going to exploit the opponents because they think you are on the tight side. At this final table, I had been a little bit loose, a little bit splashy. I'd made some good calls and some good folds and some bad calls and some bad folds so far. So I have been involved. Um, as you can see if you're watching the video, I have lots of chips, and you typically get lots of chips by playing lots of pots. Um, so this may not be the most opportune time to run this play, but that said, you still need to do it sometimes. If you just straight up never do it, what you're basically saying is, I think my opponents view me as so maniacal to the point that they are literally never going to fold anything to me. And that's not the case. People are good, right? My opponent, Preben, is a good player. He knows how to fold. He also knows how to make good calls, but he also knows how to fold. Like right here in the middle, or you know, now third pair, it's just not a good spot, and he needs to fold it a lot of the time. And um, we decided to go for it. Also, if you are playing, let's say you show up to a table. People always ask how you get very good, or at least reasonable reads quickly. They think, oh man, it takes me an hour to know how my opponents are playing. If you were to just sit down at this table right now and sit down against me, Right now, if you're not watching, I am where I'm a younger guy, you know, 30-something years old, and I look like a kid, right? Kids typically are more aggressive than non-kids, so that's an initial read. Also, if you look at my chip stack, I have some of the big denomination chip, a bunch of the medium denomination chip, and a bunch of the small denomination chip. If you go to a table and see someone, let's say you're playing 25-50, or let's say you're playing 100-200 uh, with a 25 ante, you get moved to a new table, and one guy has just a mountain of 25 chips and 100 chips. That guy's probably winning a lot of small pots. You usually don't stack a guy and get a whole load of tiny chips, right? Usually, you just get a normal stack. So what does that mean? How do you get a whole load of tiny chips, anti-chips, basically? Well, you get that by playing lots of pots. If there's a big blind ante, which there is in a lot of tournaments now, realize you're going to have a lot of the big blind chips. So if we're playing 100-200 with a 200 ante... The person who has all the black chips is playing more than his fair share of pots. So he's going to have wider ranges than everyone else. That's just a very generic default read you can make whenever you move to a new table. And if I moved to a table and saw someone who looked like me in this exact moment that we are looking at in the video, um, I would think that guy's probably on the loose side. <laughs> and, and I had been so far. It's just like a generic read. So if I know that I appear to be loose because I have an obvious pile of small chips in front of me, maybe you don't want to run so many bluffs. That said... This seemed like the fine spot to do it, especially given we are at the final table. Preben had, uh, you know, one of the medium stacks. That's the guy you want to be leaning on when you're the big stack, and I decided to do it. So that's going to be it for this episode of Weekly Poker Hand. Thank you very much for being here. If you like this, definitely check out my site, PokerCoaching.com. There we have a lot of quizzes and homework questions. And I remember one of the earlier homework questions, we actually discussed developing a three-betting strategy from the big blind, and I went through this exact play. And here we are enacting it, and... Um, Fortunately for me, Preben did not have the nuts. He only had middle pair and found the good fold. So check it out. I'll teach you how to do exactly this. Thanks for being here, and be sure to check back next week for another fun episode of Weekly Poker Hand.